0: In our mere humanity, we are more beautiful than with any of the achievements that we have done. key to our humanity is to learn how to value ourselves and how to value others. Each of us has a dignity that ought to be honoured.
1: Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleats. Today, we're here to record our last episode of 2023. I can't believe it. We have an incredibly special guest, Dr. Miroslav Volf, a Henry B. Wright professor of systematic theology and founding director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. We're here to talk about Dr. Volf's new book, a life worth living, and how we can distill some of the key wisdom from his book for our day-to-day lives. A warm welcome to Dr. Volf, and thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Oh, Carrie, it's such an honor to be here with you today, especially given the audience of folks who listen to your podcast so faithfully. So thank you for having me.
1: So let's start with a little bit of background. Dr. Volf's book is based on a popular class he teaches and draws on a variety of examples, religions, philosophies, and historical figures. A life worth living helps people explore the questions that lead to a happier and more satisfying life. The book tackles what you call the question, quote unquote. So, Dr. Volves, in the popular imagination, a life worth living is perhaps the pursuit of, you know, desires and happiness and for some people amassing wealth and status and who knows how many clicks on social media. So I've heard you use the metaphor of the vessel with holes in it to illustrate how this type of pursuit can leave us just wanting. Perhaps there's another way.
0: Yes, Gary, this image of a leaky vessel comes from Plato from one of his dialogues where he illustrates that seeking pleasure, wealth, status, money is futile because the more you get, the more you lose and more you want more. And it's a kind of never ending insatiable cycle that never really comes to fulfillment. In the Bible, in Ecclesiastes, there's a different image. All the rivers flow into the sea. But the sea is never full, never satisfied. <laughs> and mm. that's kind of image of often life that we have. It's a pursuit of what we sometimes describe as a happy life, or as you mentioned, pursuit of money and things of that sort. But I think your audience knows well people who are dedicated to helping others in wide varieties of ways and caring for others so well that at the core of life that is lived well, core of the life that really feels right and that is providing circumstances of life that are right for, for people. Core of it is a purpose and part of that purpose has to do with something that is beyond each one of us individually. There's kind of almost like a paradox. The more you seek to satisfy yourself, the less satisfied you are and the more you seek to help others, your own self comes to blossom and thrive. I love
1: that and I love how you threw in "thrive" there because that's what we are all about. About it at Kaiser Permanente. Yeah. So can you describe what you learned in writing this book? And I know you knew so much before, but is there something that when writing the book that, and how it built on the class you teach, is there something more that you learned? Can you make maybe that learning tangible for the folks and the team at Kaiser Permanente?
0: There's so many areas I have deepened my understanding, and other areas I've suddenly discovered something that I kind of knew all along, but really didn't know. Wow. Just to give you an example for instance, that joy is much deeper than pleasure. Pleasure I can be stimulated into, but joy is having a positive feeling about. Something that is the case in the world and has happened that is good. So Mm -hmm. joy is a positive feeling about something that is good. Then I am related to the good and the emotion that binds me to this good is joy rather than mere pleasure. Also, in talking about just how things feel, I've come to appreciate much more contentment, Mm. which is a kind of very quiet emotion rather Mm -hmm. than pleasure that can be a screamy emotion full of energy, which is great too. But there's a kind of contentment that can permeate a life and give it almost like an abiding aura. And to me, that has become really very important so that we don't go up and down in our emotional lives, but have this kind of relative stability of contentment out of which then great things happen. So I can name other things as well. I think what became clear also to me is that we have difficulty, and I see that with students, we have difficulty of thinking ourselves that we are creatures of infinite worth. Mm. And that we are creatures of infinite worth even before we have actually done anything.
1: <laughs> oh, that's interesting.
0: That's, that's a strange idea, right? of think it. I, I know of a child
1: yeah.
0: who was born and nanny of that child was present. During the birth. And mm. when the boy was born, she exclaimed, Nothing else matters as much as your being there and arriving to us. Mm. And I think many people have that feeling about a newborn, almost yeah. like a new world has been born. But isn't that mm. ascribing something like this incredibly high worth before mm. anything was done? And actually, the philosophers have described this in a much more elevated terms as something our human dignity, dignity Mm. that is there independently of who we are. And I think that's a really important concept to have with all of our striving. And of course, I'm not against striving of doing what is good or maybe sometimes failing. Nonetheless, that each of us has a dignity that ought to be honored by each one of us.
1: I love that so much, especially in talking to colleagues who are close to retirement and feeling that their worth and who they are is so attached to what they've accomplished. So it's so hard to step away from the career thinking that there's a loss of worth. Or there's people who attach their value to the physical assets that they have, the car they drive. And what I'm hearing you say, it's so
0: much more than that. Just the fact of our humanity is something to be celebrated. And that's so rare these days because we index our value to achievements that we have. And in some ways, rightly so, because people who work hard, they do great things, amazing things. But on the other hand, the kind of honoring of everyone in that honoring humanity itself, uh, that's seen in the newborn that we obviously, we hope that potential is great, but we celebrate what is
1: even a newborn baby, there's intrinsic value in it. And you were mentioning that the students struggle with that. Can you share maybe some of the struggles of the students and maybe epiphanies that they had and recognizing their value is so much more than getting A's or whatever they're able to produce? I'm sure they want an A in your class,
0: of course. Well, all children are above average, of course, yep. and all students must be as well. Right. I think you see it with students. Yale is, of course, an elite school and students have worked very hard in order to get there. They were at the top of their class at high school very often. and they A lot come of pressure. To- yeah. a lot of pressure the entire life and of course over these years they've come to value themselves because of the performance and suddenly they've come to yale and they are one out of 5000 of equally successful people who have come to yale and they come to a seminar and there's so many people that have read things that they haven't read and there is maybe a little bit in attempt to show off and everybody is suddenly starting to feel inferior And Mm. so you have immensely accomplished and beautiful human beings who start to feel inferior because somebody has read a book that they haven't and they haven't quite put things as well as they have put or they don't have this or that accomplishment and everybody feels like they, they aren't. Good enough. And I think that to me was almost an epiphany. Kind of the good enoughness. I don't know whether that's a term, but you know exactly what (laughs) it is now. (laughs) Good enoughness is really not what you can achieve with performance because Mm -hmm. that simply never ends. That has to underlie the sense of, of a self and hence that infinite worth. Qua human being, not uh, on the basis of color of the skin, on the basis of accent we have, country to which we belong, accolades we have received, and so forth. And I think key to our humanity is to learn how to value ourselves and how to value others as human beings. You know, one of my favorite thinkers, I have many favorite thinkers, but one of them is Kierkegaard. And he says Building on one of the story that Jesus tells and compares lilies in the field to glory of Solomon. And Jesus says that Solomon, his glory was not clothed as beautifully as one of those field lilies. Mm -hmm. And Kierkegaard thinks about this and he says, so that means... If Lily is beautiful, it means also that human being who is not like Solomon is also beautiful, which means that if Solomon would strip all his kingly royal glamour, Mm -hmm. he would be more beautiful without it than with it.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So that in our mere humanity, we are more beautiful than with any of the achievements that we have done. I thought this is amazing. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. And I think it's a great visual that you laid out about the lily and having all of our team recognize that they are the same as that lily. They're beautiful, amazing creatures. And in my mind, they're even more so because of what they chose to do with their heart and soul, which is to care for others. So I love that so much. I can't imagine that this work has not impacted you personally and obviously professionally because it's what you do. (laughs) So how has this work impacted you or influenced you both on a personal level and maybe professionally too?
0: You know, from my perspective, I've had this fortune. I'm lucky enough to think through the issues that I as a human being would find important to have thought. I remember in my teens, I started to read books that were tied to existential experiences, books in psychology, books in philosophy. And I was always moved by these kinds of topics. And then to have somebody pay me actually to do what I actually (laughs) love. That's amazing. You know, every time I get a paycheck, I think somebody's actually (laughs) paying me to do what I love to do. And Uh I don't think it's only the case that people who have jobs like mine can do that many professions we feel called to do things with which we resonate whether that's in a medical profession whether that is an artisan whatever it is we can discover ourselves and the beauty of our humanity in the work that we are doing, if that work is not simply about us and our advancement, if that work is a kind of service to other mm-hmm. human beings, it is a, almost like a nod in honor of humanity, of the people to whom we serve. And that's why I think that it's so important in the medical field, but in other service fields, when we deal with people, when they're in a really fragile kinds of states, for there to be honoring of them as human beings. And I've had such experiences when I was being treated by medical professionals. It's amazing what it does for you.
1: You're highlighting this beautiful gift that we have to be able to care for people at the best days of their life and and sometimes the worst days of their life. To be able to share that part of the life. It's a gift and a privilege. And I love how you said it's a nod and an honor to humanity. I think that just perfectly encapsulates what our team does every day. My last and I think most important question, this life we have is so very short and precious. What key takeaways would you invite our listeners to consider to build into their daily lives? which will potentially make a meaningful difference in their overall happiness and personal well-being.
0: So one of the things that I found immensely important is, as I mentioned, we study various traditions and also Jewish tradition, and we invite students often to take on and try out some of the practices. And in the Jewish tradition, observance of Shabbat is a very important uh, practice. And as we read and prepare with students to observe that when I teach the class, we often read Abraham Heschel's book called Sabbath. And there he speaks about Sabbath as being a kind of time of celebrating the goodness that is, rather than striving to create something good that might be needed in the world. Six days, you work to create something good, but one day... You celebrate the goodness that is. And I found that this idea of taking time to celebrate the good and have it undiluted by worry there's a story that he tells about the rabbi who on Sabbath went into his garden and he was thanking God for the beauty of it. He was doing what he should be doing, right? Uh, Rejoicing in what is. Then he sees that his fence has been torn and he thinks, oh, I must repair this fence. And he starts worrying how to uh, repair Mm. something and then catches himself and says, ah, this fence is going to remain unrepaired in reminder that, Mm. this is now my words, there are times in our lives that are reserved for celebrating the good that is. Mm. I find that this is really key to our contentment with all the hard work that many of certainly medical personnel spend in extraordinary amount of time just working for the good of others. There's also important space, important time where one can just be and celebrate the good, identify and celebrate the good that is.
1: I love that. And I think that's such a beautiful takeaway. And it's also a beautiful way to end this year's series of podcasts. We've talked about the power of gratitude. We've talked about the power of grace with oneself and what you just outlined and whether you're religious, whether you're Jewish, whether you are agnostic, taking a moment and celebrating what is is so incredibly powerful and even celebrating the imperfection of the fence that you're describing.
0: Yes, most of our goods that we experience are imperfect. Right. We could always sit and think how to make them better. But in thinking how to improve, we forget to remember the good that Actually, already is there. And therefore, even the imperfect things can be celebrated. And it's really key, I think, to living a life that is satisfying.
1: I love it. I love it so much. Thank you for being part of the KP journey for our team and our recovery. And I took something away from this conversation that is extremely helpful. And I know our team will too. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you and speak to your wider audience.
1: Dr. Miroslav Volf, founding director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. This is the perfect episode to end our second season with, and especially in time for the holidays. I think you've given us all some very valuable perspectives to reflect on as we are surrounded by our loved ones this season. And just a reminder during the holiday season to just set aside some time to celebrate the good. As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind, ask a question or suggest a topic or guest and send it to KP.org. And whether you're listening on your commute or during a down moment, keep those comments coming. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen Pleets. We'll see you next time. And happy holidays.